Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. It doesn't matter if it was Daniel or the Apostle John or Jesus himself, all three testified of the fact that after the first three and a half years, there's gonna be a major occurrence that is going to change the world forever. And that is, Antichrist is going to break that peace covenant with Israel and turn against Israel and those who become Christians during that period of time. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. You know, some people hear about ancient biblical prophecy and think to themselves, well, so what? I mean, what difference should it make to me? Well, today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress illustrates why your eternal destiny matters right now with a sobering look at the coming tribulation. It's an event you don't want to stick around for. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome to this Monday edition of Pathway to Victory. Whenever I announce that I'm going to tackle a portion of biblical prophecy, I often get a number of mixed responses. Some people are excited at the prospect of studying a fascinating topic like this one, and others, well, they're a little confused because they can't imagine how Bible prophecy has any real relevance to their lives today. Well, let me assure you, God's plan for our future has everything to do with how we should live right now. And that's why we're giving full attention to this topic in our teaching series called Perfect Ending. It's also the reason I've written a book for you that's called Perfect Ending, Why Your Eternal Future Matters Today. Now, this book isn't a pamphlet. It's a full-length book that's more than 200 pages in length and provides clear and concise information about key events on God's timetable for the future. Plus, it comes with another book. It's called The End Times Illustrated, A Panorama of Bible Prophecy from Genesis to Revelation. I'd be happy to send you both books when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. David and I will give you all the contact information later in the program. But right now, it's time to take your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 6. Last time, we began looking at the final seven years of Earth's history known as the Great Tribulation. Today, we're going to delve into the specific details and purpose of this horrific event. My message today is titled, The Beginning of the End. In his book, Till Armageddon, Billy Graham wrote, the whole world is sighing and suffering on a scale perhaps not known in human history. The refugees, the starving, the psychological woes, the emotional turmoils, the broken marriages, the terrorism, the hostages, the wars, and a thousand other troubles which beset every country in the world. There are no people anywhere that are immune. The rich and the famous suffer as well as the obscure. It seems that the human race may well be heading toward the climax of the tears, hurts, and wounds of all of the centuries. That climax that Dr. Graham is writing about is that seven-year period, those seven final years of Earth's history. It is a time that we often call the Great Tribulation. It will be a time of natural catastrophes, political chaos, but most of all, the distinguishing characteristic of this period of time 
will be God's unrelenting judgment against unbelievers. Now, last time we began looking at this seven-year period known as the Great Tribulation. Remember, we gave this definition. We said the Tribulation is that seven-year period of time that begins after the rapture of the church, the catching away of believers, and ends with the glorious second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there you see it once again on that familiar chart we're using in our study Now, this time we saw last time called the Great Tribulation is also known as the Day of the Lord. The prophets wrote about it in the Old Testament. They talked about the Day of the Lord that is coming, which is always a time of judgment. It's been known as the time of Jacob's or Israel's distress, but it's also known as Daniel's 70th week. And you see on your chart there, we talked about that at length last time as well. And in one of the most, if not the most amazing prophecy in all of the Bible, God through Gabriel the angel told Daniel in about 550 BC of all of the events that would lead up to the end of the world. And he said specifically in Daniel 9, 24 to 27, that God has ordained 490 years in which to finish his dealing, not only with Israel, but the entire world. And you see on that clock, as we've talked about last time, 483 years have already elapsed. And then there is a pause, the Bible says, and there is one final seven-year period of time. And that time, of course, is the time we're talking about, the Great Tribulation. We are living right now in that gap between the first 483 years and the final seven years when God will accomplish his purpose for mankind. I said last time that this seven-year period of time is in many ways like a three-act drama. We looked at the beginning of Act 1 last time, the beginning of the tribulation. And I want you to notice there are three things that are going to happen at the beginning of the tribulation. First of all, the rise of this world leader we call the Antichrist. We learned last time four things about Antichrist. He will come to power after Christians are removed from the earth, according to 2 Thessalonians 2. Secondly, he will most likely be a Gentile. He comes out of the sea, the world of the Gentiles. Number three, we saw that he will rule over a revived Roman Empire that will come in the form of a ten-nation confederacy. And number four, and most importantly, he will oppose the people of God and he will attempt to change the laws of God and he will be able to do so with little opposition. The second thing that happens at the beginning of this seven-year period is the rise of someone we call, the scripture calls the false prophet. He is best understood as Antichrist lieutenant. He helps him in his rise to power. Now, during the first three and a half years of the tribulation, this false prophet is seen as a religious leader. And he is a religious leader who oversees a world church that is described, now the nice term is harlot in Revelation 17. The King James Version is the whore of Babylon is what this apostate church is called. This apostate church will have all of the trappings of a Christian church but it will be an apostate, a fallen church. Some people have tried to identify this church by linking it to a current denomination or expression of Christian faith. I personally think the best way to understand this apostate church 
is to see it as an amalgamation of different religions in the future. You know, we live in a culture right now in which there is a great disdain for the absolute truths of historic Christianity. And I believe after the time of world chaos that uh, the world will be receptive to a more politically correct kind of religion, a religion that is watered down, a religion that uh, pays homage to all faith traditions. I think that this future world church could be one part Christian, two part Islam, sprinkled with a little bit of Oprah Transcendental Meditation on it. And it'll be something that will be appealing to everyone. People will want to be a part of it. You know, we have churches like that today. Churches that use the symbols of Christianity. Churches that use the same vocabulary as Christians. Some of them well-known, respected churches, well-known and respected denominations. And yet when you peel away these religious trappings, you find that these churches at their very heart deny the most basic tenet of Christianity, and that is salvation is available only through the sacrificial death of the Lord Jesus Christ. What we're seeing today is just a harbinger of this future church. But something interesting happens. After the first three and a half years of the tribulation, in which the church has assisted the Antichrist in his rise to power, the Antichrist will turn against the church. He will destroy the church. Let me just stop here and climb up on my soapbox for just a moment and say, as Christians, we need to be very, very careful that we never allow any political party to use us, to use the church, to co-op the church. We need to be on guard against that. To ever allow a political party or a movement to impose their agenda upon us. I believe the Bible says we who are Christians need to use politics. We need to use the political system to enact God's will on earth. The Bible says we ought to pray, thy will be done on earth as it is being done in heaven. What is God's will? God's will is that marriage be respected, that life be respected. And as Christians, we ought to use the political process to, as best we can, instill godly values in our country. It's not that we're going to save America. America is ultimately going to be destroyed, the Bible says, because this world is going to be destroyed. But let me remind you of something I have said over and over again. God is no respecter of people or nations. Any nation that reverences God is going to be blessed by God, and any nation that rejects God is going to be rejected by God. And the reason we want to stand for godly values, the reason we want to not roll over and instead stand up and push back against this ungodly tide of immorality sweeping our country is so that we can buy a little bit more time for our nation so that we have an opportunity to do what we've really been called to do, and that is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible. 
That's what God has called us to do. But we must be careful never to allow the government to use us because the government will ultimately turn against believers. That's what's going to happen in the final seven years of the tribulation. Halfway through this time that the government uses the church, notice what happens in Revelation 17, verse 16. And the ten horns, that is that ten nation confederacy and the beast, these will hate the harlot, that is the church, and will make her desolate and naked and will eat her flesh and will burn her up with fire. The Antichrist will see no need for the church, will turn against the church. And this false prophet who was in the religious world will then move to the political world. And he will assist the Antichrist these last three and a half years by demanding from people complete allegiance to the Antichrist, especially if they want to buy or sell goods. If anyone wants to buy or sell goods during these last three and a half years, they have to take what is called the mark of the beast. Look at Revelation 13, verses 16 to 17. And he, that is the false prophet, causes all, the small and the great, and the rich and the poor, and the free men and the slaves, to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one should be able to buy or to sell except the one who has the mark, either the name of the beast or the number of his name. In order to be able to buy or sell anything, you're going to have to have this mark. Now, what is this mark? Some have speculated perhaps it's a piece of technology. I was reading in the New Scientist magazine an article from 2008 that says right now they have developed microchips that contain all kind of personal information that can be inserted underneath your skin. And right now, wealthy residents in Mexico are choosing to have this information inserted under their skin so that in case they are kidnapped by drug lords, their location can be noted and they can be rescued. Maybe it's going to come in the form of that. Or maybe it's actually going to be a literal mark, a barcode on the forehead or on the hand. You know, that's not implausible. That people would have a small tattoo with the right information, either on their head or on their hand as well. We've got the technology right now to do that. But more disturbingly, we also have the precedent for government taking over the major areas of our life and determining what's going to happen. Just think about this. I mean, we accept now without any question whatsoever that you can't get on an airplane unless you go through a scanner, not to mention that personalized pat-down from the TSA, that you have to go through that if you're going to get on an airplane. We accept that because of what? National security. We just accept that. Now, I'm not here to advocate for or against government health care. But the fact is, the argument has been made, the government ought to take over that large area of our life for the national well-being. Is it really a stretch to imagine that at some point in the future, the government is going to say, for efficiency, to make sure everybody pays their taxes for national security, which is a catch-all for whatever the government wants to do, because of all of these reasons, you have to have a code. You have to have a mark if you want to buy clothes, food, or health care. Is that beyond the realm of possibility? Of course not. We're already seeing the harbinger of that take place right now. But notice what will happen. 
The Bible says the only way you get this mark is if you pledge allegiance to the world dictator known as Antichrist. Without it, you don't receive the mark. And the Bible says people, in order to buy and sell food and clothing and, and medical care for themselves, will take the mark of the beast. The only ones who refuse it are genuine believers. Now, let me say something right now that I think is very important. We all love our country. We all appreciate those men and women in our military who have and continue to fight for our freedom. But ladies and gentlemen, we never are to exalt our allegiance to our country above our allegiance to God. And that's why we better teach people, and especially Christians, that when the day comes, and it is coming, that we have to choose whether we are going to serve God or serve country, there is no choice for us. As Peter said, we must always obey God rather than man. And there is a future generation that is going to have to make that choice about whether their allegiance is going to be to the government, whatever it is, or it's going to be to man. Only those who take this mark of the beast, who pledge their allegiance and bow down to worship the beast will be able to buy and sell. The third thing that happens during this time is the sealing of the 144,000. Look at Revelation 7 verses 3 and 4. Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the bondservants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. We don't have time to look at it in detail, but the Bible indicates that at the beginning of the tribulation, 144,000 people will be selected. They will be saved and they will be selected to be evangelists during this final seven-year period of time. Who are these 144,000? Well, the Jehovah's Witnesses think it's their people. The Seventh-day Adventists believe it's their people who are remaining faithful to keep the Sabbath. Post-tribulationists believe it is Christians who are alive during that time. But we don't have to wonder. We don't have to engage in conjecture. The Bible tells us very clearly in Revelation chapter 7 that these are from the tribes of Israel, 12,000 from each of the tribes. These are Jews who are saved and selected to be Christ emissaries. People ask, well, pastor, you said last time that the Holy Spirit in the person of Christians have been removed from the earth. If there is no Holy Spirit, how can people be saved during this final seven years of time? Listen, it's true. The Holy Spirit possessing believers, believers are gone. The restraining influence against evil is gone. But it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's gone from the earth. The Holy Spirit can't be gone because God's not gone. Uh, he's everywhere, and he will be doing his work as he does today of convicting people and regenerating people so that they can come to faith. And when you get down to Revelation 7 and verses 9 and 14, you see the result of the witness of these 144,000. John says, after these things, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues were standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes. He is talking about Millions of people who will come to faith in Christ during the tribulation because of these 144,000. Most of them, many of them will be martyred. And John saw the picture of these tribulation saints standing before the throne of God. I'm often asked the question, well, pastor, if it's possible 
to be saved during the tribulation time. Why don't I just wait until then and see if all this really happens and then I'll make my choice whether or not to trust in Christ as Savior. Well, first of all, there's no guarantee that just because your heart is open right now to accept Christ, that it will be open then. But even more basic than that is, if you are not willing to trust in Christ as Savior right now, when it is so easy to do so, when there is no general persecution in our country against believers, if you're unwilling to do so now, why would you think you would be ready to do so during this entire intense time of persecution? Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. These events, the rise of the Antichrist, the rise of the false prophet, the sealing of the 144,000 are the beginning point of the tribulation. Interestingly, the first three and a half years of the tribulation will be relatively peaceful. People will celebrate the Antichrist and his ability to bring peace in the world. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 3, it says, while they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like the birth pangs upon a woman and they shall not escape. What will happen? The Bible says halfway through this first seven-year period of time, at the three-and-a-half-year mark, at the midpoint of the tribulation is act two of the tribulation. It occurs after the first three-and-a-half years. It doesn't matter if it was Daniel or the apostle John or Jesus himself. All three testified of the fact that after the first three-and-a-half years, there's going to be a major occurrence that is going to change the world forever. And that is, Antichrist is going to break that peace covenant with Israel and turn against Israel and those who become Christians during that period of time. You see it in Daniel 9, verse 27. And he will make a firm covenant with the many for one week, that is seven years. But in the middle of the week, he will put a stop to sacrifice and grain offering. That is, he'll stand in the temple and he will put a stop to Israel worshiping in the temple. And on the wing of the abominations will come one who makes desolate even until a complete destruction, one that is decreed to pour out on the one who makes desolate. Daniel 7.21, Daniel says, I kept looking and that horn, that is Antichrist, was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. In Revelation 13, verse 5, it says, And there was given to him, Antichrist, a mouth speaking arrogant words and blasphemies, and the authority to act for how long? 42 months. That is three and a half years. Over and over again, you see something different about these final three and a half years. Sometimes it's called 42 months, sometimes 1260 days, sometimes a time, times, and half a time, a year plus two years plus half a year. But the Bible says these final three and a half years will be a time of persecution. Well, today is one of those days when I wish we had more time together. But we'll continue our study of the Great Tribulation next time on Pathway to Victory. We're only about midway through this fascinating series on the end times we're calling Perfect Ending. And to help you take this subject even deeper, I'd like to send you a copy of my in-depth book called Perfect Ending, Why Your Eternal Future Matters Today. 
This isn't the kind of book that you'll read in one night from cover to cover. At more than 200 pages in length, it's designed so that you can scan through the chapters and find the subjects that interest you most. And a copy is yours today when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Again, the book is titled Perfect Ending. In case you already have a copy of my book, I'm also prepared to send you The End Times Illustrated. In this beautiful full-color book, I provide a panorama of Bible prophecy, starting in Genesis and extending all the way through Revelation. Let me close by inviting you to become one of our Pathway Partners. As a monthly giver to Pathway to Victory, you're playing a strategic role in pushing back the enemy. And I can't think of a more urgent time than this to boldly declare the gospel of Jesus Christ and to reach as many as possible as quickly as possible until He comes again. As a Pathway Partner and with your generous gifts, you're enabling us to bring the life-changing hope of the gospel to a world that is failing around us. And I look forward to hearing from you today. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffress. You're invited to request a copy of the best-selling book, Perfect Ending, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. Plus, you'll also receive the companion guide to Perfect Ending. It's called The End Times Illustrated. To request these resources, call 866-999-2965 or go to ptv.org. And when your gift is $75 or more, you'll also receive, in addition to the book and the companion guide, the complete Perfect Ending teaching series on CD and DVD. This in-depth study includes all of the messages being featured this month in their original full-length form, and it's perfect for a small group leader or maybe even your own personal Bible study. Again, call 866-999-2965 or visit online at ptv.org. You could also send your request by mail right to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. The violence and corruption in our world today are clear signs that the end is near. So how should we live right now in light of that knowledge? Dr. Jeffress will address that question next time when he continues his message, The Beginning of the End. That's Tuesday here on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.